I am a mayor in a very small community in New Jersey. You know, we're 1.3 square miles, but yet that 1.3 square miles serves such a larger community as a whole. And I, I absolutely love what I do. Well, hello there. Welcome to Brand Therapy. I am Phil Palin. And I'm Lauren Moore. We're going for last names today, I see. We included last names, which, by the way, we never do for our guests on this show, including today. Not today, not ever. Yeah, I wonder if it will be hard for people to figure out who she is today. Probably not, because she's really active on social media. She is, and she is our guest. Our guest today is Janice, and this is a first this is a first, it not not on the podcast or even in my work as a brand strategist. I've done a lot of things in a lot of industries, but never have I discussed the branding of a city, of a town. I know, it's the first and it might potentially be the last. How's that for pressure? Oh boy. Really cool. Really cool, this, this discussion today. Talking about, you know, how do you humanize the brand of a town through the role of a mayor. And I have to say, she's really progressive and out-of-the-box thinking in terms of some of the strategies that she's implemented and really kind of effectively harnessed the conversation. But it's always a challenge. Yeah, it's informative. It's juicy. It's, I don't know, I think I think listeners are really going to love this episode. Well, let's get to it. All right, let's hop to it. Our conversation with Janice. My name is Janice. I am a mayor in a very small community in New Jersey. You know, we're 1.3 square miles, but yet that 1.3 square miles serves such a larger community as a whole. And I, I absolutely love what I do. You know, I was always interested in politics as a kid and to kind of watch how policy can drive what's happening in a community, whether it's good stuff or bad stuff. I, you know, it doesn't really matter. Here's one thing that's been coming up a lot in our work. It is personifying an entity. So it could be a corporation, could be a city. You mm -hmm. know, it's never been a city before. That's right. what's kind of exciting about this. How do you give a human, you know, identity to a city? And how do you make it stand out from others? How do you attract people there? How do you generate more business and more excitement and more buzz? I mean, these must be the kinds of things. So that I, you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the, the pieces of it is obviously there has to be a face of the town. Someone that when found, they immediately kind of picture, you know, either me or one of my council members out there. I probably am one of the most visual and visible mayors in where we live. We're a rural county. We are the only real town for a good majority of the county. And, you know, people just assume that they have, oh, well, you're my mayor too, because I'm who they see. And I've gotten to the point where I try to work with as many as possible. I mean, you know, there, there's the storm is a perfect example. Every time, you know, the, the phone is going to start ringing, probably within the next hour, wondering why their road hasn't been salted yet, or the plows have gone by and just plowed them in their driveway. So, you know, it's, there's the person that is the identity of the town. And I've kind of created my role as when you think of my town, you think of me or vice versa. You know, you think of me and immediately you go to the town and, and, and there has to be a person tied to it. You know, and we also do 
uh, a lot of initiatives and events to draw people into the community, whether it be a St. Patrick's Day parade or a holiday parade or a pansy fest when spring hopefully hits us at some point in time. I want to touch on sort of like a crisis. It's interesting because if a town needs to have a, a person as the face of that town, and that person can't be everywhere at once. During a crisis, what's your your method of telling and showing people that you're there and you're listening to them? Social media is probably the easiest because people can get it on their phones. If you wind up losing power, they're not necessarily on their computers and they're not going to check websites. And, and so I will use Facebook and Twitter and the other Facebook pages that are served by other, you know, either council members or, or town members so that we con- we're constantly sharing the information and putting it out there. The last storm when power went out, you know, our town is a very small town. We have critical infrastructure that needs to get back up immediately because we have our own sewage treatment plant. So our town came up within 48 hours. Other towns were still without several days later. And I found myself driving around trying to find one of the power trucks to actually stop one of the them to say, listen, you know, can you take care of these communities? And, um, you know, that it, it's just what we do. It, you know, we try to, to do as much as we can to help one another through, and social media seems to be the, the most visible way to do it and be every place at once. Do you think that social media helps you personally be more connected to the people in your town? Absolutely. You know, the messages will start coming regardless of the time of day or night. My phone is on 24-7. And regardless if I'm in town or not, I will take phone calls. I will respond to messages, even on vacation, because it's kind of the role I signed up for. And whenever there's an emergency of sorts, people want to know that there's someone they can call. Whether or not I can actually turn the power on or not, they want to know that someone's listening to to what's happening. It's so cool. And it's like, I don't know, it, it makes me feel like warm and fuzzy inside knowing that the work that we're doing with social media, like usually it's it's not for like vanity reasons why people want to get online, but sometimes it is part of it, um, managing perception. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, Phil, if you feel the same way, but I'm feel, it feels so good to know that social media is being used for such like a positive reason. Absolutely. And that it actually becomes the solution for such a big challenge. So we've only been chatting with you for a few minutes, and I already know that you're a cool mayor. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I am not a typical mayor. Most time, and and listen, politics is still very very much male dominated. It is. I have a my license plate says has a number one and mayor underneath it. And I don't want to tell you the number of times both men and women have asked me where my husband is the mayor. And when I tell them that he's not, I am. And they're like, oh, you know, you don't look like a mayor. I said, I know, I'm not an old white man. Gosh, like it. You also must have really thick skin too, which is like awesome because. If someone said that to me, I would probably like laugh and then secretly like cry in my bathroom. But like, I guess in the job that you do, you you can't take things at face value. No, not at all. It, it's definitely, I, I think, I'm not even sure who said, I mean, and, and multiple people say that you have to have, you know, the thickest skin imaginable. And I think for women, it's it's hard because women tend to take things more personally. You know, we we get involved and we do something because we're passionate about whatever it is we're working on. And when there's criticism involved of what we believe is, is the, the right work that we're doing, that's hard to take. And I think once I hit 50, I was like, 
I don't need to worry about what other people think about me. Ultimately, I need to feel good about the work that I'm doing and that I'm focusing on my community, which is the same town I actually grew up in as a kid, and that my goal is to give back and do the best that I can. Oh, you are a cool mayor. I want to talk a little bit about how your town is using social media and specifically if there if there's anything kind of getting in your way from using social media in the way that you want to use it. So we use social media and every obviously everyone creates their own pages, you know, if if they're not seeing what they want your page to put out, they'll create their own. So there's probably 10 or 15 pages um, pertaining to my community. And what's good is that we can all kind of share because some of us have have different groups of followers and it's an opportunity for us to hit, you know, different communities and different people. I think my biggest frustration and and the people that I talk to, their frustration is trolls. So, you know, someone is working on a project in in town and someone who, who happens to be a troll, and, and I know who most of them are at this point in time, they come out right away with a negative or a divisive comment. So we, uh, last year, I guess it was last year, uh, some of our residents took to buying lawn signs that said, hate has no home here. You know, we are, like I said, we're a very small town. It's the kind of community where everyone knows everyone and all the police know all the kids to my children's utmost uh, mortification. <laughs> but when you know we were ta- when we, people put up the signs, there was a lot of negativity from a, a small group of individuals who tried to turn it into a political discussion. Rather than making it about our community, they made it about politics, and that was divisive for a while. We didn't engage in, in the back and forth, and there's a lot of times I won't engage with someone who I know is you know just looking to get a rise or get some sort of crazy statement out there. And I don't give them the platform to do it. But, you know, I think that is social media is both a blessing and a curse. Something is happening and kind of like the game of telephone. By the time someone who's put it up on Facebook or Twitter, the context of the conversation has changed. So it's a matter of struggling to to manage the fact, factual information that we need to put out there while not giving credence to, for lack of a better term, the fake news that gets put out. It's wild what people will say about others mm-hmm. hidden behind a computer, isn't it? Yes. Oh, and that's the hardest part, I think, for, you know, I'm not sure. I, I Obviously, I can't speak for men, but for women getting involved in politics, it is, do I really want to put myself out there and be ridiculed or accused or pointing the finger because I wear pantsuits or, or I don't look like I'm supposed to look? I mean, so every October, I color my hair purple because I've done a lot of work within the domestic violence uh, field and October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And it's always entertaining to watch people who don't know me or other elected officials come into town and, and see me with, with my purple hair. And, you know, to them, it's like, you know, you're not allowed to do that. That's not what a mayor looks like. Well, what's a mayor supposed to look like? I, I'm comfortable with who I am. And I try to get other women who want to engage in politics to be comfortable with who they are and with the decisions that they make, and that it's not about following the herd, but really looking at what's the right work to be doing and, and putting that kind of information out there. I love how you think outside the box, and I love your perspectives on some of these challenges. Even going back to trolls, for example, this is something that comes up a lot. If I'm at a conference speaking, I'll sometimes get a question, mm-hmm. how do I handle 
the hate and the negativity because it is an inevitable part of today. We see this working with public figures. We see this with people like you that that have a platform, that have attention. And unfortunately, now it's just too easy to for people to say things that they think they can get away with. They think there's some sense of anonymity because they're able to hide behind a computer. And I often say, right. and I'll share this with you, trolls are effectively a compliment to you and to what you're doing. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Phil, I want to try something. What? Let's pretend that I'm going to be launching a new business and I'm not, my name is not Lauren and I'm going to be launching a new business and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should brand myself as Karen or if I should do it as a business. What would your advice to me be? My advice would be hire me and I'll give you good advice. What? It's I can hire a, you? Yes, you can. It's called a brand audit, baby. And I'm not going to give you advice until I thoroughly understand your business and your brand. Cool. So what does that entail? So I'm asking these questions like I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. okay. What does that entail, Phil? You do a 90-minute call with Lauren and Phil. Do you know who Lauren is? Who's Lauren? Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. Wait, Lauren Moore? She's amazing. 90-minute call with Lauren and Phil, where we spend that time to figure out what is your brand, what's working, what's not. And you get a super, super detailed brand audit recap that's like 50 slides outlining everything. It's kind of like brand therapy, but even better. Okay, Karen here again. I really, really like what you're telling me, but I really like to get things at a discount. What can you offer me? I bet you do 15% off the brand audit. Fif and no, no, no. 15. Let's clarify. Not 50. I 15. said 15. I heard 50. Well, I said 15. Okay, Play sorry. it back. 15% off. It's the only place that you'll actually get a discount on this. We don't offer a discount anywhere else. Podcast listeners only. Check it out. Let's get back to the show. Wait, philpallon.expert slash therapy. That's where all the details are. Now let's get back to the show. Trolls are effectively a compliment to you and to what you're doing. That kind of attention, positive or negative, means, and I say this like in jest, but truthfully, when someone spends a few minutes of their life engaging with you, instead of something else, mm -hmm. positive or negative. Right. That's a compliment because everyone dies. And when you look back and go, wow, that person spent valuable minutes of their life on me, positive or negative, that's kind of what we're all trying to do. We're, all, we're not competing for, for information. We're competing for attention. And the fact is you've generated buzz, positive or negative. Yeah. And I think you know what you're doing. And I, I love what you're doing. Well, if, if I if I don't know, I usually try to work my way through. And and listen, I've I've absolutely made mistakes. I don't I don't pretend to know it all. I don't pretend to have all the answers. But what I really want to do is is change the discussion and and kind of drive the paradigm shift. You know, it's funny. I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast yet. But before I I joined Phil full time, I worked for an ad agency, and I was. 100% dedicated to this account where it was a, a, a like a huge, huge, huge corporation of animal hospitals across America, over 600 locations. And I was responsible for dealing with the detractors, we called them um, online, for all 600 plus hospitals. Mm -hmm. It was 
a crazy job. It was a crazy job. But when something goes wrong or when people are unhappy, they'll put on a good face in person most of the time and then go straight to social media. And when you've got something like accusations of, you know, malpractice or animal cruelty or anything happening to animals, people go kind of like they're especially sensitive. And it's interesting because And I'm curious to know if this is the case for you. Initially, this corporation's policy was don't respond to anyone. Do not even entertain them. Don't even go there. But over time, we actually found that there was almost an opportunity to turn that negative into a positive. So I'm curious to know, have you explored responding to, like, obviously, there are some crazy people that you're never going to reason with, but, well, not crazy, but like opinionated people. But have you tried or a, a sort of reputation management policy where you've got set responses that you, you say for certain situations? What? Yes. I mean, when I deal with some of the, the, the projects that I work on personally, you know, as an advocate, absolutely. And this is where the, the you know, the attorneys get in, get involved because their concern, a lot of their concern is, well, you know, what are you going to share? What kind of information are you going to give? And is this information that then they can use in court against you? And everything is open public record. So any response you make, it has got to stay out there, you know, forever. So it, it, it's definitely legally it's a struggle as a, a town, and as a mayor to respond to some of the, the trolls that are out there. It's not a one size fits all. It, it is definitely each situation is, how do we handle this one? How do we respond to this one? And, it, you know, I have an attorney who, when I first became mayor seven years ago, and I set up my my mayor page on Facebook, he about had a heart attack. You know, he was an old school attorney and was so concerned about what, you know, what I was going to put out there and, and how do I separate my personal views from, you know, the work as the, as the mayor. And, you know, it's, I probably spent two hours with him. And I have three separate Facebook accounts, one for my public persona, one for all the my passion work, one my personal one, which is obviously my family and friends, and then my my mayor's one, and that is you know that it took him a while to kind of get comfortable with the fact that we were going to be out there doing it. I'm curious to know as well. Do you witness like argumentative tweets and conversations between people in your town online? Oh yeah. Absolutely. One of the issues that we deal with is affordable housing and how it's assigned to a community. And and unfortunately, our, our state legislature over the last eight years has done absolutely nothing. The former governor did nothing and just kind of said, ah, we're going to ignore it. The, the courts then got involved. And you have courts, judges who know nothing about communities making determinations as far as what, how much affordable housing you should build. So we're limited with what information we can share. But there's a misperception that affordable housing is going to bring in the wrong type of people. I'm not quite sure what people think sometimes. But so I've watched that debate play out with who's living in these affordable homes. When you try to explain to people that, you know, these are a lot of times school teachers, firemen, young college graduates, high school graduates who are going out on their own and working. But the the battle, I mean, it, it, it is downright nasty. And what the assumptions are about people who they believe should not have affordable housing, should not be in their community. Yeah. And it, it's difficult too, because, like, again, in your position, you have to be somewhat like neutral, which would be challenging. Right. 
you know, you hear so much. Uh, I, I don't know if this is affecting your township, but you hear so much about how like cyberbullying across America is like really, really affecting high school students and their parents and family members. And and I was just thinking like you're in a unique position where where you've you've got less people to wrangle. Like there are some outspoken voices, but because you're in a town, I feel like you can do more meaningful change. And um, have you ever thought about doing like almost like a program that teaches people how to have like meaningful debates online, even if they disagree with each other? That I love that idea. And actually we've talked about it. I train women to run for office and a lot of the conversations around getting especially uh, young women, you know, because it's all, that's where you really start to see some of the cyber bullying um, when women are trying to get involved in politics. So that's a big part of the conversation that we have. And it, it's important to have that conversation. You know, no one wants to be bullied. It, it's a horrible experience. And that mentality, I mean, we had a governor for eight years that lived to bully people. And it was, you know, to see how he responded to Anyone that challenged him was just horrific, and I let my thoughts be known. So I was on the outs for a good part of it. But, yeah, you know what? I have two, two boys who are in high school right now, and it's a conversation that we're constantly having, you know, to understand what's going on and, and who is doing what to whom. But I think it's important. We're lucky. We have a, an amazing school system. It, it's a small school system. It's a K-8 to for our, our community. And the administration is always responsive and always making sure that they're putting stuff out there. High school, obviously, is a little bit different and a little bit more difficult because you've got a regional approach. But yes, I would definitely love to do something where we talk about how to engage in a civic discourse that doesn't end in, you know, finger pointing or throwing punches or whatever else it may be. I think it's cool because you are an authority on this topic. And I think by you, this information kind of being disseminated from you, I think people are going to pay attention because I think that you've done a really good job. Of course, you have challenges, but you've done a good job of just showing authority on things that are important to you and things that you know matter within your community. This is the kind of initiative I think is really unique. And I think if you do this, I think other towns and cities are going to look to you and go, wow, I want to do what she did. And that's really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't disagree. That is definitely a conversation that that needs to continue. And, you know, even the bullying beyond school. Yeah, it's interesting because it's so easy to get like, sucked into the vortex of those like on any sort of like political link that comes up on Facebook. I'll look at the comments and find myself getting really, really angry about 98% of the time. But there, there is still that 2% where I can see there are people who don't agree, but they're at least listening to each other. And, and it's, it's just like so uplifting and, and nice. And I just, I don't know. I think, I think that you're in a really powerful position where, where, you could maybe at least increase that 2% to, to 5 or 10. To, to see some of that happen, absolutely. You know, it's, and this is, going, I think, going to be an interesting year anyway because we've got midterm elections across the country. And it is watching how some of the primary stuff is playing out as well as the conversations and the rhetoric is just unbelievable. And the, the names that people are being called I think it just kind of blows my mind. I, I look and I shake my head and I'm like, okay, these are supposed to be the adults that are, 
are making the policy decisions to drive, you know, this state and this country. And, and it scares me that they resort to name calling and, and all cap Twitter's tweets. And it, it's just, it's scary. Yeah. So it'd be nice to see some, some civil discourse actually take place. Well, it seems like you're definitely leading by example. So that at least it's one step at a time, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. If we do it, you know, slowly things start to change. If we try to force it down someone's throat, then they resist. I'm excited about everything we talked about, not only what you're doing within the community now, but even some ideas like that, that, that idea about, you know, kind of just educating on how to have a, how to have civil discourse. That's a really exciting thing. So we are looking forward to kind of hearing how that initiative develops. And you have to keep us posted with all of this. I know, as you mentioned, this is an important year. So we want to hear from you again on how on on all of this. Sounds like a plan. Works for me. Yeah, thanks for, for, again, I said to Lauren, we've never ever talked about a brand as a town or a city. That's the coolest thing. So this has been a really interesting discussion to see some of the parallels in the work you're doing how that relates to a city and a, and a town, just like it would a personal brand. And I think you've really quite effectively humanized the brand that exists within, this, within the town. I think it's really cool. Thank you. You know, that, that, that is probably one of the best compliments to, to know that that's actually happening. We look forward to keeping in touch with you. And if you have any exciting updates, make sure you circle back with us. We want to share that with the listeners. I definitely will. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janice. Have such a good day. We'll chat with you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Well, that was not what I was expecting. (laughs) You don't say that. That's my catchphrase. That's true. I stole it. Let's talk about Janice. Wow. Oh, can she be my mayor? I want... Well, I shouldn't say that because our mayor is like cool, but. Well, he's not as cool as Janice. It's true. I love how like honest she is when she said, I don't claim to know all the answers. Like how refreshing. That kind of just honesty, humility is just so appreciated in politics and we just don't see it that often. Definitely. And it's it's so nice to know that she's the one who's pushing to being like involved and beyond social media. I mean what I said to her when I said she's done an incredible job of humanizing the brand of a city with her as the conduit for that. Really cool. I know. And I mean, maybe it's not the thought isn't scary to you, but to me, at least, she is really brave. Like she's really brave to embrace who she is and like put it right out on display for anyone to criticize and especially when, you know, politics are involved, it gets so heated. And I don't know, I, I just think she's she's the coolest. Really fun discussion. Thank you, Janice, for being a guest. We want to know what you think. Hashtag brand therapy. I'm at Phil Talon. I'm at the Lauren Moore. Twitter, Instagram, go and find us. We want to hear from you if you've taken the time to listen. We want to know. Also stop by iTunes, where you can leave us a review. And by the way, leaving us a review helps other people discover this podcast. Yeah. And also, I just want to emphasize that if you want to send us some compliments on Twitter, that's great, too. When lately people have been like tweeting, like here and there being like, I'm listening to Brand Therapy, blah, blah, blah. And it like literally makes me feel so special. 
There you go. You heard it. That's all you need to do to get some brownie points from Lauren and from me. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, enjoy. And thank you for listening to Brand Therapy. Bye-bye. And here's a little preview of our next episode. As someone who doesn't have a website yet and is really kind of building up that clientele, I just want to know how you start valuing yourself. 